Welcome to HSDF the Podcast, a collection of policy discussions on government technology and homeland security brought to you by the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. In this second episode of a two-part series, learn more about the unique border security challenges around fentanyl interdiction and how custom and border protection is responding. Featuring John Wagner, the former CBP Deputy Executive Assistant Commissioner, Joseph Dragonak at CBP's National Targeting Center, and Shane Campbell with CBP's Office of Field Operations. This discussion took place at the annual HSDF Border Security Symposium in Washington, D.C. on December 12th, 2023. Are you seeing any anything the industry is doing that is particularly helpful or, you know, what are the gaps you see that the industry can help fill? You know, I'll, I'll ask that to both of you, but, you know, start with you. What do you see? What's going What's What's the industry response been to a lot of this? Because I know CBP has been opening a lot more packages and cracking down on a lot of stuff and seeing, you know, the, some of the, the, just the bad data that you're getting. Right. And the, you know, we can talk post office too, but the counterfeit postage, right. On a lot of these, (laughs) these boxes too. It's like this whole just world of, and because it's under this like guise of de minimis, what did it translate to again? In Latin? Insignificant. Insignificant. Right. But it's not, right? We should have named it better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a that. So there's a lot of stuff that industry can and is doing, right? Information sharing is number one. Um, and when you talk about crackdowns, right, as, as we go and we find certain trends, um, we do our best to work with our partners to let them know about these trends so that they can help clean up their part of the supply chain, right? To let them know that, hey, here's a risk here, Right. So I think if that information share, sharing is key, right? But some partners on their own are going into pre-screening, right? Which is hugely successful where that's being piloted and where that's being tested. Um, so I think that could be a key in this part too. Um, but really knowing and, and taking that look, I think education as we share trends for that industry to share that amongst their employees. I'll give you an example that we like to use, which is the pen, right? A common pen, right? So if you're shipping a pen or if you're a broker and you get a shipment for a pen and it's one pen, but it weighs 50 kilograms and it's valued at a dollar, there might be something more to that one pen shipment, right? But that's the type of, like we look at it from a CBP perspective, from an officer perspective, and we say, wow, that's a really hit, right? But yet it missed all sorts of levels amongst that supply chain to where nobody even asked, well, is it the world's largest pen? What's wrong? What's the, is it gold? What's wrong with this pen? Right. But it's just a pen. And you know, that's where we find stuff. And at some point postage was paid. Yes. So is it a stamp on there or is it, or is it just right. a piece of paper with sticky stuff behind it? Right. And a nice little picture right. like crayoned in. Yeah. Right? yeah. So there's, there's pieces of data out there, right? It's, it's what's the right data to give CBP, but what's the right data the industry should be looking at to, to do their, you know, due diligence. So I think it's verifying that data that you're giving to CBP, right? And when you see something that's outrageous, and I am using an outrageous example, but it's a real example, and it's multiplied over and over and over again with different commodities. So if you see something and you just take a second to think about it and say, well, that's kind of weird, ask a few questions, you know, call, call the person who that shipment originated from, call the broker, you know, look, you know, if you have the authority amongst your own supply chain area, then take a look at the box, take a look at what it is that's being shipped and see, is this what my client is telling me? Because like I said, 
if it's not, and we talk in the context of, in this forum, fentanyl and narcotics, right? But it is the Homeland Security Defense Forum. And if it's something beyond narcotics, do you really want that on your mode of transportation? Do you want that sitting in your warehouse? Do you, do you want to be associated with that? Yeah, a little homework. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, to be able to lead CVP's counterfentanyl and synthetic strategy and implementation of that. And really, that our strategy is, is focused on a couple of key factors, enhancing our partnerships, increasing our information sharing amongst international industry, state and local, and federal partners, taking intelligence and information to drive our strategic operations. So that's really the strategy on there. And what, what Shane mentioned and talked about is really we to also have ownership to go back and share some, some trends with the industry to help them keep up to speed on, on those shifting smuggling trends and those supply chains on there. So we've really focused on, on that piece to be able, as we see those things in there, so they can go back, helping them build internally. Many of these main industry partners have their own targeting capabilities. They have their security departments and how can we help them and work together to be able to be that force multiplier really I, I think a lot of how we started with this to go back to industry to the table is we we launched this this very successful strategic operation that that, that we've we've provided information on last year operation artemis which really stemmed from some intelligence information on what we felt the illicit supply chain of precursor chemicals was and putting a lot of uh, uh um personnel to attack that problem set of really going into these warehouses and just start tearing boxes open and, and in essence slowing the supply chain down to for us to understand the problem set and then to go back to industry and says now we've got empirical data we know what the problem set is we know where, where, where the challenges are now let's work together to be able as a government and industry to solve this problem and that's really what we've done at this point and a lot of what Shane talked about to share that information to say okay Here's our proposal, how we can work together to solve this problem. That's right. Any, like, from what you're trying to do there at the targeting center and bringing in, you know, different agencies, different databases, different data sets, you know, trying to help the officers on the front lines make the best decisions that they can, right, based on all this reach <laughs> that the government has to, you know, assess risk and everything. It's like, what, what are some of the things you might need? Um, you know, if, if you can think of anything off the, off the top of your head, like what's, what are the, some of the gaps and or what would help you? More people and money. Uh, <laughs> more people and <laughs> Isn't money. Isn't always what everybody needs? <laughs> no. Um, in all honesty, I think a couple things we really need as we start ingesting more of this data. How do, how do we use machine learning, machine reasoning to be able to identify those specific trend, outline trends like, like Shane described ahead of it? Not after we get a seizure, but how do we detect those anomalies in the data, understanding we're not always going to get 100% accurate data? And then how do we uh, equip our officers in the field, in the locations, to be able to use certain technology to better detect? And, and the example I like to give on there is, you know, we, we've got uh, our canine. I'm a huge dog lover. Uh, I think canines are tremendous in what they can do. I think we can kind of understand that a little better and how do we apply it to technology. Like I would love, it's nothing out there now, so I'm challenging all, all, all the partners in there. I would love if an officer could have a handheld unit, walk through a warehouse amongst one of these consolidated shipments and just walk right by and have some type of technology that can determine if there's a chemical signature for a fentanyl precursor in one of those boxes. 
nothing out there. But that's the kind of thing. We have canines that walk around these, these packages to be able to detect the odor of, of narcotics. Things we're exploring. Can we, can we upload fentanyl precursors into a canine to be able to, to do that? But how can we use... We've got technology can, that can detect a chemical signature, but you got to take a sample or you got to be right on there. It has to be pure. But those are the things we need to look four or five years down the line. And not just for fentanyl, there's going to be another synthetic, there's going to be another drug out there. This is a problem set we will continue to try to attack. But those are the things where those out the, outside the box thinking to understand that how do we be able to look at these large e-commerce that, that's at the speed of mission uh, to be able to detect that because it's not going away. E-commerce is just going to continue to expand and expand because that's just the way uh, uh, we're going to be doing business in the future. Um, let me open it up for any questions or, or comments. If if we have any, if not, we'll just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> as far as testing lab, on, in Tom. terms of those of us... In view of the variety of industry representatives here, do you have a point of contact for lab where we can present different candidates for your consideration? Because, you know, there are several out there. The non-intrusive inspections, we know the varieties there. But scaling them down for what you're describing, the walkthrough inspection, as opposed to the hard uh, detectors that are at the ports of entry, et cetera. But do, do you have lab support for that kind of evaluation? Um, so I, we've been working rather extensively with, with DHS, the science and technology of kind of, and, and I've been in a couple of forums like this of, of really, that, that's been the inject point of that, let's that advanced thinking that let's, let's try to see what else is out there or try to develop something in the future. So that's really been that inject point is through DHS, S&T, who directly collaborates with me and my team and kind of, and brings brings whoever is presenting in for, for briefings. And so I would start kind of there and that aspect on there. And then, you know, one thing you did, you, you did kind of mention, we've been really looking at, and, and, you know, CBP's got a very robust laboratory and scientific services. We've got our LSS, we've got Ford operating labs. We've been consolidating into a joint lab with DEA and FDA called Intrepid. And we really want to use the scientific data to drive our strategic operations. As we start dissecting those pills, the analogs, the uh, um, um, adulterants and other things like that, we always look for those obscure items kind of outside the norm that help formulate that, that specific pill so we can start tracking the movement of those production materials. So we want science to drive our enforcement actions as well as intelligence. It, I would encourage you to go to every person you know then in CBP, right? Like, just don't try one one path. Um, you know, sometimes it's just finding the right champion inside one of these organizations that will take it and run through the bureaucracy, you know, with it to do those kinds of things. Any other questions? Nothing. Oh, here we go. Um, Rebecca from the Associated Press. Can you just give an idea of how much of these de, de minimis <laughs> um, packages, how have they increased over the years? Like, do you have some, just some general idea, like over the last five, 10 years, just to kind of get a trend? I, so off the top of my head, I want to say they've almost doubled over the past like year or two, but I, I can get you that afterwards, but I don't have it off, but I know it's significantly more year over year to where we finally broke the billion point last year. It, it's pretty exponential growth in the last few years. I mean, a couple of things, right? Just, you know, e-commerce business model, the pandemic, 
um, all these factors, um, the changes in the law, which allowed the de minimis provision. And I think some really smart logistics people that figured out how to get it from the manufacturer to my, my front stoop. Right. Right. And I don't even have to go to the store now to buy anything. Um, but just all the logistics that go on and all the different entities that are involved in that and, you know, bringing a product to, to your doorstep. Um, you know, now it's just trying to figure out how does that fit within some of the, the, the regulatory and legal controls of, of the border agencies. And then what are some of the challenges of what they're trying to do at the border and these groups that are exploiting, you know, the, 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 the different methods to get, you know, their products through the border and yeah. into the U S. So it's, it's a, it's a new challenge, but you know, CBP has always risen to these different challenges over the years. And I, I think Joe mentioned, you know, if today it's fentanyl tomorrow. It'll be a different, right. You know, type of chemical and, you know, just always trying to stay creative and ahead of that and, and continue to, to, to challenge yourselves to, to, to do that. And if I can just throw in too, right. I mean, COVID changed the American consumer, right. And we're very habit oriented. And so, as we got used to to even have groceries delivered to our doors, right? And I think I'm like one of the last people in my neighborhood that doesn't do that. Um, you know, that's, yeah, folks more and more rely on, like John said, boxes just being at their door when they come home. And, you know, I know I'll have 20 today because I've already got my alerts. Christmas <laughs> 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 shopping's done, right? So, yeah, we all, I mean, that's that's how we function now. Anyone else in our uh, closing minutes? I'll be of time for one more. You know, I think that, you know, Shane brings up kind of a good point that we can't lose besides looking at the supply chain is just the online marketplaces as well as in the tech industry and kind of how that is is, is being exploited and utilized too is not just lose focus. Well, we may not have a, a regulatory or oversight kind of piece in that. That is the entranceway into procurement of much of this these materials to produce synthetic drugs is through online marketplaces and different kind of online vendors. Um, not necessarily the big vendors, but there's, there's just, just networks out there everywhere. And it's, it's not, it's not like you're going on the dark web and, and all that. I mean, you can, there, there's these easy vendors to be able to procure these chemicals and other things online. So, you know, with that, I'll just, you know, in closing, I, we see the, the changes in the, in the statutes, um, you know, leads to some different challenges for CBP as far as the volume of a, these de minimis packages, but these, are not insignificant. Um, and what, what would traditionally come through the border in like bulk quantities are now coming in as individual transactions. And, you know, there's a need for accurate data, advanced accurate data. There's a need to be able to target and identify what's good and what's bad and what needs to be um, checked at the border and what can be expedited through. And, you know, there's a lot of industry partnerships that can be leveraged to help because there's a lot of different entities now involved in, in these types of transactions from marketplaces to, um, you know, consolidators to shippers to, you know, foreign warehousers and who fulfills the the product and who files the the data with CBP. Um, you know, so there's, there's some different entities involved and, you know, through those industry partnerships, you can leverage some type of, you know, control over them or influence over them to, you know, and a lot of times they may not even know what they're doing, right? Might be, right. you know, might be problematic and helping educate them so they can know and they can be, you know, you know, better customers of the government too. But, um, you know, I'm 
I'm glad you two uh, fellows are involved in it. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have you there and doing really some of this uh, really cutting edge stuff that you're doing with the technology, the data analytics and, you know, some of the work that you're doing. So thank both of you for all that you're doing. And uh, thank to all of you for having us here today to talk about it. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow HSDF the podcast on any major podcast platform. Visit hsdf.org to learn more about the Homeland Security and Defense Forum.